Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning. This is Judy Wilkinson, president of the Library Users of America. This is one of the most popular sessions of the entire convention where we get to visit with the NLS interim director, Jason Yasner, whom I'll be introducing a little further in a minute. But first, let me give you the opening CEU code, 05429, 05429. Um, Jason is with us as interim director, and Mark Santangelo will be joining us shortly. shortly. Um, We are so excited to welcome you. Jason, in your position as interim director, I'm going to give you a chance now to introduce yourself to our members. Well, thank you so much, Judy. It is really a pleasure for me to be here. My name is Jason Yasner. Um, I was hired as deputy director uh, almost exactly three years ago today. And um, since um, director Karen Kenninger retired on May 31st, I am acting as interim director for NLS. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. I'm very flattered that you've asked me to join your convention. I've also brought with me Mr. Mark Santangelo. He is the chief of the new patron and network engagement division at NLS. Um, This is a new division uh, that came out of the reorganization that NLS implemented in October 2020. So it's kind of like the previous network division, only we've uh, revamped it, remonikered it, refocused it. And um, Mark is the um, new chief of that division. Also with us is our stalwart NLS employee and staffer and treasurer, uh, Judy Dixon. So for those of you who heard our our brief NLS presentation at 1.20 this afternoon, ECB gave a nice uh, tribute to Judy Dixon. She's retiring after 40 plus years at NLS. And so we're very, very to have her uh, as part of this panel as well. So uh, with that said, I know there are a lot of questions. Um, we had a, a, a brief presentation, a PowerPoint presentation, and we, we flew through it, uh, the lightning round. And so what I'd like to do is maybe go through that presentation in a little more detail to tell you about where NLS is and going with modernization. Uh, and then I'm going to pass it to Mark Santangelo to go more in depth into what the Patron and Network Engagement Division is doing. As you all know, the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, um, we are very proud of our vision statement. Our vision statement is that all may read. And so what makes NLS particularly wonderful to work for uh, at the Library of Congress, which is a fantastic institution in itself, Uh, But at NLS, the passion that I see um, in uh, every staffer, um, we are all very, very dedicated to that vision statement that all may read. And basically, our mission is to provide books, magazines, musical scores, foreign language, locally produced materials and text braille and recorded formats to blind and print disabled individuals in the United States and the U.S. citizens living abroad. So we are providing reading content um, to those who are challenged by the printed word. Um, this is such a noble mission, and I've just, I'm just very, very proud to be a part of it. And we're very excited about the relationships that we have, not only with our cooperative network library 
um, um, libraries out there, but also all of these uh, consumer groups and advocacy groups like ACB. I mean, you are critical partners in providing our mission um, to the patrons. Uh, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about modernization. Um, so over the next five to seven years, NLS has a lot of modernization goals. Uh, we want to obviously increase our patrons, uh, but we also want to make sure that our catalog increases. We have more and interesting content for our patrons to read. We want to make sure that our content is delivered in new and exciting ways, um, wirelessly, uh, with new devices, new techniques, new technologies. And um, one of the biggest things that we've done recently is the refreshable Braille display that we call the Braille e-reader. So I'll talk about that in a little bit. So uh, going to the next slide, um, we're some of the modernization initiatives. So um, just to give you a little background, you know, we've been studying this for a while. We brought in some consultants. Uh, we had Accenture and Deloitte uh, on site, and they were basically, you know, asking a lot of questions and evaluating where NLS was at the time. And predicting and advising where we should be and trying to draw a roadmap to get from point A to point B. Um, so part of that came into my office, the office of uh, deputy director to create a modernization program office. So um, Karen and I designated several different initiatives uh, to fall under this modernization program office. I hired a dedicated program manager. His name is Fred Cook. Uh, he's managing the um, fundamentals of this program office. We're doing a lot of market research. We want to see what other similar um, institutions uh, like NLS are doing out there in the world. Most countries have their own kind of version of NLS and how they're serving their patrons. So we want to look at how they're uh, modernizing their operations and their devices. We're doing a lot of research and development. We're looking at different technologies. We're looking at smartphones and smart speakers and voice user interface and braille displays and things like that to see how we can leverage technology to provide better products and services for our patrons. And through that, we're doing lots of projects, pilots, field tests, and focus groups, all of which are falling under uh, modernization. And of course, with modernization, we're aligning all of these initiatives with our strategic and directional planning that uh, alongside line, lines up with the Library of Congress strategic plan. So the modernization program office mission is basically to implement the NLS modernization plan, the technology roadmap, and de develop more modernization project planning. The ultimate goal is to provide higher levels of reliable service for NLS operations and patrons, and make sure that we're continuously improving the operations and the management of, of the NLS program. So I'm going to go over a short list of the modernization office initiatives as uh, Karen and I have developed them. The first one is um, about BARD and other IT modernization. So BARD stands for Braille and Audio Reading Download. This is our application where our patrons can use uh, their own device to access our catalog and read content on demand. People can access BARD uh, via a website, via a Windows application called BARD Express, or via BARD Mobile on iOS and Android devices. We are looking to uh, modernize BARD. Currently, um, BARD is a rather monolithic application, and so it's very, very difficult to make improvements to it. Um, so we are reimagining BARD into smaller pieces uh, that are going to be able to serve our patrons better. 
Uh, we've recently moved BARD into the cloud, which has increased our um, ability and capacity by three times to support patrons. We also have other IT systems that are part of BARD that we're looking to modernize as well to go along with BARD. PIX modernization. Um, PIX is one of our internal um, applications that manages our production process. Uh, so we basically get books um, from conception to delivery to the person's device so they can read. So we're looking at modernizing our internal uh, production application. Uh, we're calling it PIX2. The next thing we're looking at in modernization, of course, is next generation playback devices. And so you're all probably very familiar with the current digital talking book machine, which is a very durable and sturdy machine. It's been out in the field for a little more than 10 years now. It plays cartridges that are essentially USB flash drives with books on them. This has been a very, very successful delivery mechanism uh, for our patrons. But we are looking for what is the next generation uh, playback device? Is it a lockdown smartphone? Is it, is it a smart speaker like Amazon and Alexa or Google Echo? Is it uh, something else that uses voice inter user interface? So we're doing a lot of different research and development things right now to look at what that next generation playback device may be. As I mentioned earlier, we have a refreshable Braille display that we're very proud of. We call it the Braille e-reader. We're piloting this um, device with several network libraries and patrons right now. We actually have a contract with two different vendors to develop um, two different refreshable Braille displays. And so we're going to be piloting both of them. Each one of them has their own features, but we, you know, we want to see how our patrons like them. So far, the feedback has been fantastic. And we're very, very excited that Congress has been very supportive of providing funds for us to do research and development and to purchase these devices and share them with our patrons. So we're moving more towards a digital Braille delivery system. The Marrakesh Treaty, of course, was uh, the United States um, uh, signed it in, in uh, 2019. Uh, so um, NLS can participate in the Marrakesh Treaty. And this is basically an exchange program with other um, authorized entities that are part of the Marrakesh Treaty throughout the world. So what this means is NLS is able to share its catalog with other countries and their patrons, but also those countries are able to share their catalogs um, with us so that our patrons can benefit from them in the United States. And so we've been working out policy and process and technology uh, to make sure uh, that we're able to share other uh, authorized entities' um, catalogs with our patrons in an easy way. And so that has opened up a whole new world, no pun intended, of lots of new language material. Uh, you know, most of the NLS collection catalog is in English. Now we have uh, the ability and the opportunity to add many more languages of content. We have a data connectivity provision that we've been looking at. This is basically looking at our patrons who may not have uh, broadband or cellular service in their area, or they may not be able to afford it. And so we're looking at ways that once we start moving more towards digital delivery, how do we provide cellular service uh, to those patrons who may need it? So we've done a lot of research in that area. I've mentioned the NLS reorganization before. Um, Karen and I worked on a reorganization for about a year and a half. 
NLS hadn't been reorganized in decades. And so we were looking at what should a future state NLS look like? How can NLS best support its patrons? And what should its, its organizational structure and capabilities look like? And so we did a lot of thinking about, about that, a lot of research, and we implemented the reorganization in October 2020. Part of which came out of that is the patron and network engagement division, which Mark Santangelo will talk about later on. And then finally, in the modernization office, we have the NLS relocation project. NLS used to be located downtown uh, on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., along with the other three Library of Congress main campus buildings. It moved out to the Taylor Street location in 1967 and has been essentially trying to move back to Capitol Hill ever since. We are looking at different um, options now to move NLS closer to the Library of Congress main campus on Capitol Hill, which will, of course, increase synergies um, between um, NLS and the rest of the Library of Congress, as well as Congress itself. And so part of the project, of course, is looking at different locations and working at all those details. On subsequent slides in here, I go into much more detail of what I just spoke about on each initiative. Uh, and as I mentioned before, this, this PowerPoint presentation should be available to you if you want to refer to it again. And I'm sure we're going to get plenty of questions later on. But as far as the next steps for modernization, uh, the modernization program office is having monthly meetings where we're checking in, uh, checking the status, going over risks and issues on all of the different projects and initiatives. We have aligned our annual performance goals at NLS with our modernization initiatives, which then align with the Library of Congress's strategic plan and the NLS directional plan. We're modernizing tools to track projects, uh, we're doing more collaborative best practices, looking at things like program, project, and product management, building capability and capacity, lots of training, trying to use um, best practices and guides to uh, do project management as best we can. And of course, looking at the best methodologies as well. And so there's a lot of activity going on with modernization. Uh, we're very, very excited about it. Um, for our conference uh, next year in May 2022 in Lincoln, Nebraska, I plan to give a um, much more in-depth presentation about modernization because hopefully we'll be further down the road by then and we'll have some great things to talk about. So with that, I'm going to close out modernization and I'm going to pass it to Mark Santangelo, as I said, the chief of the patron and network engagement division to talk about that division. Thank you very much, Jason. And I'm um, happy to have everyone here. We've got a lot of people and be delighted to tell you a little bit more about what we do in the Patron and Network Engagement Division. Uh, I'm going to run through our slides as well. So uh, I have a good anchor to start from. As I had mentioned, we do have five separate sections within the division. And I'll uh, go into them in a little bit more detail so you get a better sense of what we do and the programs we offer. Primarily, our goal is that, that vision statement that all may read. And to do that, we work through our cooperating libraries of 94 libraries to offer service uh, to patrons directly. And my thought is the more we interact with that network, the more we listen to the problems and we so have solutions, uh, that is going to help us to gain a better insight to the patrons. The more we understand the patrons' needs, the libraries, us, it'll make the network much more fluid and uh, much more successful. 
So that's one of the things I hope to do with our network services program is open and expand that communications. Of course, in today's world, it's a lot easier. Uh, and we have Zoom.gov to use for us uh, at Library of Congress, which helps things go uh, pretty, pretty fluently. I'd like to mention that we do have uh, network consultants, and this is sort of the makeup of how we run things. There are four conferences. Uh, there's the North, the South, the Midlands, and the West, and two consultants who are part of the network services team. They uh, are the, the uh, liaisons, the conduit uh, between NLS and the conferences. Uh, it doesn't mean that anyone else can't talk to them, but those are the primary contacts. And uh, one, uh, Mary Beth Wise handles the North and the South, and uh, Pam Davenport handles the Midlands and the West. And it's a great setup to be able to navigate and to understand better uh, the needs of the conferences and get uh, information directly. I also had mentioned about network services that we do things like uh, the Library of the Year program. Uh, the Library of the Year program is something I'm very excited about. We do it every year and we acknowledge two libraries. That would be what we call the regional library and the sub-regional library. And with that, I hope to uh, expand that to a uh, greater branding level, that people will recognize this word award across the network as something to aspire to. Part of that is we at NLS and patron and network engagement need to have that criteria. What is considered an exemplary library? Uh, we have to put that on paper ourselves. It's been difficult during the pandemic, but I think that example I gave about the Iowa Library reading to patrons over the telephone, uh, it's innovative, it's on spot, and uh, it's something exactly the type of um, services that relate directly to the patrons that we want to do. So we need to be creative in thinking of that criteria, setting the bar very high, because customer service is really what we do best. And we want to continue offering a high level of service and the more we do so, we communicate that to the network, we'll have better criteria and uh, to continue this Library of the Year Award to acknowledge um, innovation and creativity as we move forward. I also mentioned the music section in my presentation. I mentioned, just to recap quick, that we have 24,000 titles of Braille music and uh, the largest uh, in, in the world. And we're very excited to have that collection. And we interact with our music department. We interact daily with patrons. Uh, it's one of the few departments within PE that interacts with our patrons. We do uh, reference queries about specific to music, um, and we answer them through email, through um, postal mail, as well as through telephone calls. And within that, I had mentioned our 90th year celebration about uh, we celebrated with jazz pianist Matthew Whitaker. And we had uh, been having musical performances uh, before the pandemic. They were live at a concert hall. And we hope to continue that uh, tradition. Uh, we've done it for the last five or six years or so. And we want to make that on a more regular basis. Maybe every two or three years, we'll have a performance to highlight someone that uh, ideally was one of our patrons, but not necessarily. Uh, that could help us uh, highlight the music collection and the work we do. So that's something we hope to do as we move forward. Uh, and I, I mentioned the music blog. That's something I'm just very excited about. So if you're very passionate about music like I am, that's a, a great read, really a great read. 
I uh, want to talk about the patron engagement section. It's newly formed, and it's one of these sections that's in process. And that's what I like about it. It gives all of us at Analyst this opportunity to craft and develop and watch this unfold. And uh, Judy Dixon has been part of our team for so long, and she's part of this uh, new section. And I'm just delighted to get her opinion and feedback on how things will move forward in the future. As I mentioned, we have several uh, ideas as this forms, and we will be hiring a new section head for this position who will bring uh, leadership and vision to the section. But it will uh, unfold by including an education and training specialist. It will have an assistive technology specialist. It will continue to have the uh, uh, consumer uh, relations specialist as well as the overseas librarian and support specialists. Uh, but how can we connect with the patrons on a, uh, a better level, more engagement? And that's going to be uh, something that's new to, new to us. We primarily work through the network libraries, and this will give us that opportunity then to involve directly with the patrons, which I think is um, something that's so needed and something that is fantastic for the Library of Congress to be doing. So that's a lot more to come on that, and that's a section to keep your eye on as we move forward with that. The reference section, I see that as a key integral part of what we do at NLS. And it might work very closely with the patron engagement section. And part of that is, is I think of that reference section as the information center. That first place that people stop when they need to find out information, whether it is about access to the program or it's something uh, deeper about finding any uh, resources um, on disabilities. It's that introduction to NLS. Um, and once that uh, immediate interaction happens, we need to do follow-up, keep people in the loop, keep them engaged. So that's where I see in the future to be a correlation between what we do in reference and what we have in our patron engagement section. Now with reference, often we uh, relate with the network libraries. Now, the network libraries have their own password-protected website where we can relay information directly to them. We have an archive. We have what we call operations alert that gets sent out to the network uh, um, on, on a per-need basis, and those alerts will allow the network to get news um, in a uh, fast uh, time through the listserv. They'll be able to get current events or anything that's um, happening that they need to be aware of. Uh, we have an archive of that on our password protected website. We hope to make that place um, the center point for the network where they can come and have reference queries answered. Um, we can have more information, vital information available to them at their fingertips. And as I mentioned, archives, uh, we did collect the oral histories of Karen Kenninger before she left, and we collected the oral history of Michael Katzman before his retirement. So we want to have those available as well. I think having a sense of our own institutional history uh, will just land a firmer foundation in what we do going forward. So I'm very excited about the reference opportunity to promote it further and to make it that center of information that it so deserves. And then finally, I'd mentioned the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, that relationship that we have had for seven years now. Uh, the U.S. Currency Reader Distribution Project 
And that has been a fantastic addition. If you think about our patrons and who we serve, uh, what, a, what a great way for us to then offer the iBill device to people who need it most. And as I said in the presentation, we've got a little uh, downward um, numbers because of the pandemic. Um, and we're beginning to see um, that up, come back up again. And part of what we're doing is promoting it further with, uh, you know, different professional organizations. And I think um, the fact that we're getting that uptick is also a good sign. Maybe it says, you know, people are feeling more comfortable heading outside, get, have, they've got their vaccinations, and this may be better days for what we do with the iBill. So, um, is there a way for us to facilitate any questions? Yes, I'm going to be pretty rigid about don't tell stories, ask questions, because we've got a lot of people who want to talk. So, Lucy, thank you both, gentlemen. Lucy, if you could give us our first hand. My name is Debbie Watson. Uh, I have a number of questions, but, but I will keep it strictly to two. Is putting BARD on the cloud area going to increase uh, speed in getting books and also increase like the speed for the applicant applications, you know, for people who apply and try to get into the BARD system, can they do, uh, does it increase the speed basically and also allow for more books? All right. That's a very good question. So um, I'll take the first part. So BARD, when we moved it into the cloud in January 2021, we immediately noticed um, that it was able to take on three times the amount of patrons uh, capacity that we already had. And some of the speeds were phenomenal. So um, we were when we were testing, we noticed that uh, a patron was able to download an entire book in two seconds. Um, so Bard, I mean, just moving Bard off of a physical server into the cloud has given us um, an incredible speed jump. Now, of course, a lot of things depend on that. You know, you're connected to Wi-Fi, what device you're using, uh, if you're on a cellular thing. I mean, th there are lots of variables, but when everything lines up, Bard is going to provide much, much faster speeds and better performance um, for patrons. To get to your second question, that's a, a, a project, a modernization project, to look at the application um, process. Um, how do we um, intake patrons, sign them up, um, and make them BARD users? And so Mark and I have been working on that. That's one of our main projects of looking at the whole entire intake process, working with the network libraries, because we feel it should be very, very easy for a patron who prefers to use BARD to be able to access BARD immediately. And so one of our annual performance goals actually is to modernize that process, our, our, our application process, which includes making a, a patron a BARD user instantaneously. So that's something to look forward to in the future. Great, thank you. If we could have our next question, Lucy. Jamaica. Yes, my question is about the um, the cars that go on the 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 boxes. Is that is that going to change for people that that um, that need to uh, have the cards uh, uh, when when someone sends you a, a bar a bar book um, or whatever? 
Um, thank you. Sorry. So I, I assume what you're talking about is a cartridge. You're getting books on cartridge and they come in the containers. Uh, yes. And then, and then there's there's a mailing card that goes on the containers. Yes, that that's that's what I'm trying to that's what I was trying to say. Sorry. Sure. Sure. So so that process is not going away. We realize that even though we're modernizing and trying to bring in all these fancy schmancy technologies, there's always going to be a section of our our um, patrons that are going to prefer books on cartridge, that are going to prefer getting their books in the mail, that are going to prefer using the current DTBM device. Uh, we are not going to change that process. Um, we are uh, trying to um, migrate more of our network libraries to duplication on demand, as Mark mentioned. And what that's going to do is, if you're not familiar with it, you're going to get multiple um, books on one cartridge instead of one book per cartridge. So it's a better um, it's a win for the network library. It's a win for the patron. It's a win for NLS. Um, and so to simply answer your question, we are not changing that process anytime soon in the future. Thank okay. you. Next question, Lucy. Ann Byington. I'm going to break your rule, Judy, and do a quick thank you. I just got a Braille e-reader. It's wonderful. I'm glad that NLS is producing locally, locally written books uh, by blind people. And I forgot what else I was going to say. Thank you. You're very welcome. We're always excited about the locally produced material that our network libraries um, uh, add to the collection. Okay. Area code 301 ending in 145. You can unmute. Thank you. Yes, I have two quick questions. My state is not participating could, could in the pilot who, could program. You say, could you say who you are, please? I'm sorry. My name is Karen. And my state is not participating in the e-reader pilot program, so I'm wondering when might those of us who don't have access to them be able to get one? I see. So um, we have a pilot going on with a limited number of libraries, and that will be expanding as we get more devices. Um, as I mentioned before, we have two vendors that are producing devices, and uh, we went through quite a rigmarole to get those contracts awarded. I'm not going to get into the gory details, but there were quite a few delays. And then, of course, once both companies started getting ramped up to produce devices, COVID hit. And uh, a lot of the components uh, that go into these devices um, come from China. And so, as you know, China was shut down. Um, we all lived through the past year and a half and all of the craziness and delays and, and uh, hurdles that we all had to jump through just to get through our daily lives. So we were expecting to have more devices uh, in inventory to then expand uh, to more pilot libraries. That is coming now. We have purchased more devices um, from both vendors, and we will be expanding that, that program. Um, Tamara Rory is the um, uh, uh, product owner uh, and, and leader of that particular project. I think she's an attendee on this right now, uh, and she's doing a fabulous job. So she will be sending out more communications to the network libraries as we add more libraries to our pilot so that more of these devices can get into the hands of patrons. Okay, okay. let's I go live ahead in a with the next question. Um, All right, Mitchell. Hi, um, I have a question about new books being added. Okay. Um, say a book comes out in May, 
how long did it take you guys to add it to your uh, website? Well, that's a good question. It all depends. Um, there is obviously a queue uh, of books. Um, some books, um, of course, uh, most of our books are chosen by our collection development section that are using various different criteria um, to choose books. Uh, when there is a very, very popular book, um, you know, there are lots of there were lots of political books that came out over the past few years. We put them on the fast track because we anticipated that our readers. Uh, wanted them, um, you know, at, at the same time that um, a sighted reader would have it. Uh, so it really does depend. Uh, it depends if, it, if, if it's a commercial, uh, commercially published book that we can get from one of our publishers. Uh, if it's something that we have to start from scratch and narrate ourselves, obviously it's going to take a longer time. Um, if you have any specific suggestions uh, for books, um, please let your network librarian know uh, and they can pass that on. Uh, to us. And so uh, we can, we can possibly prioritize it. But, you know, we're trying to improve that that process so that books, once they're published uh, in the world, uh, they get into our catalog as soon as possible. All right, area code 301. Lucy, can you you tell, Lucy, can you tell me about how many hands we have? 16. All right, so let's thank you. Go ahead with the next one. (laughs) Area code 301, ending in 145. You should be able to unmute. 18. (laughs) I believe we've had that one already. 19. Have we had that person? Uh, Did we have that person already? I don't know. I hope not. Okay, well, maybe we'll... Sorry. Um, Okay, Frank Welty, you should be able to unmute. Frank? Hello. Um, is Hello. there, does, does NLS have some kind of a, a suggestion box or a uh, feedback form where patrons can give suggestions or questions or whatnot? Uh, that's a fantastic question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass that to Mark. I believe the reference section uh, has a, a, an inbox uh, that can take suggestions. Mark? Yes, <clears throat> in fact, we do. We have an email uh, that we have in which we do collect um, uh, suggestions. And that email address is N, as in national, NLSREF, R-E-F, at LOC.gov. NLSREF at LOC.gov. Thank you, Thank Mark. You. And thank you, Frank, for your question. Okay, <clears throat> area code 828, ending in 454. You should be able to unmute, and we have 20 people with their hands raised. Yeah, hi, this is Judy from North Carolina. And, you know, blind people obviously cannot just, judge a book by the cover. But I was wondering... I was wondering if you've ever thought about having covers described as part of the introduction. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Um, I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, we have recently, as part of the reorg, uh, we have a collections division now, and we've recently hired um, the chief of the collections division. Her name is Alice O'Reilly. Maybe some of you have known her. She's been at NLS for 15 plus years, but she's now the chief of the collections division. Um, she is overflowing with ideas like this to um, try to enhance the reading experience uh, for our patrons. She's very much 
um, investigating tactile graphics and all types of other ways to enhance the reading experience. Describing covers, um, I can't believe that never popped into my head before. I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, Mark, since I don't have any a pen on me, would you mind taking down that note and we'll pass that on to Alice? I already but, did. I'll send her an email later today. That's a great suggestion. Thank you. All right. Agnes, you should be able to unmute. Hi, this is Agnes from Greeley, Colorado. And I was wondering what plans NLS has to produce the Reader's Digest in Braille. Uh, as you may know, the printing house had quit doing that. And there are a lot of us out there who would very much love to have this magazine in Braille. Thank you. Thank you, Agnes. Um, I am familiar with that dilemma. Um, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Let me reach out to the collections division and find out where that is. Um, I know that we've had quite a few patrons uh, send us some notes about Reader's Digest not being available anymore. So I promise I will get back to you. Uh, I will get back to this forum uh, on this. Okay, Marge. Good afternoon, uh, Marge Schneider, Savannah, Georgia. My question relates to the subject categories on BARD and, and through NLS. I'm wondering what it would take for there to be one or more categories related to race and racial issues. Uh, such categories are long overdue, and uh, I'd, I'd like to know what it would take to implement that. That's a great question. Um, sadly, I'm not a librarian. Uh, I'm an operations person, but we do have some very, very capable librarians running the show in the collections division. Let me take that suggestion uh, and get back to you on that one. Um, we have recently hired a new head of our bibliographic um, control section, which is basically cataloging. Uh, she's very dynamic. She's got a lot of good ideas. And I think um, she probably has a long list of um, suggestions like that to take a look at. So um, once again, I will take that question and get back to you. Okay, Definitely Patricia. an idea whose time has come. I'm sorry? Hey, Lucy. I said definitely an idea whose time has come. I agree. Patricia Duvalli? Yes. Uh, I am interested in uh, that uh, e-reader. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering uh, what states are involved with that now with the pilots and also what the devices are like. Okay, um, let me check. I don't want to get this wrong. I want to make sure I specifically mention um, the libraries that are currently involved. Excuse me, I'm just checking uh, something. Uh, but currently... And Mark, while you do the... Uh uh, sorry, while you do that, uh, this is Judy, I will add that BRL uh, often does discussions of the actual devices, their physical appearance, and how they work. So that would be a very appropriate question for the next Braille buzz. Okay, uh, so I'm just checking here. I wanted to be correct. So I'm sorry, Jason. Oh, no problem. No problem, Judy. Um, currently, we have the e-reader device that's made by Humanware, which is one of our vendors. Uh, that's the one where uh, we were able to get some quantity and send out in the pilot. Devices are being piloted at, in, in Kentucky, Iowa, Utah, Maryland, New Jersey, Alabama, and the NLS Overseas Service. Um, as we get more devices, Humanware devices and the other vendors' devices, ZoomX units, we'll be expanding that. 
Um, so that will be coming up soon. And as I mentioned, Tamara Rory uh, will be communicating uh, with all the network libraries about that. As far as um, what the devices are like, um, we do have Judy Dixon on this call, and Judy has been intimately involved in building, testing, and QAing these devices. Maybe, Judy, you want to talk a little bit about uh, each of the devices? Very briefly, the devices were created to meet a set of specifications that NLS created. They are 20-cell Braille displays, they have book reading, file management, online Wi-Fi, Bluetooth capabilities. They do not have an editor. They have an eight-dot Perkins keyboard. They have um, cursor routers. That's all. Both devices have the same physical things and the same functionality. They are slightly different because they're made by two completely different manufacturers. And we didn't tell them what shape to make the buttons and that sort of thing. We just told them what the device needed to be able to do. So they are, they're a little bit different, but they have exactly the same functionality. Great. Let's go for our next question. Thank you, Judy. Okay, Jean Mann. Hi. Um, first of all, for Agnes, um, Reader's Digest is available from NLS in Braille. It's been available since February. It comes out in three volumes. Um, Clovernook is doing it. It's a couple months behind, but it's in Braille. So that's the important thing. Great. Now, my, Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Now, my questions are, um, the, are the iBills still available? And if one wants one, how does one go about getting one? And also, um, how will we know when our state, I'm in New York, so how will we know when e-readers are available in our states? Okay, so the first question about the iBill, I'll pass to Mark, and he can um, pass on the BEP team's information where you can follow the application process. Mark? That's right. Yes, I can uh, I, I can get the um, information for that. They are still available, and we'd be happy to take your application. If uh, what's what's the best way to get communications here? Um, let me see if I can pull up the email uh, email and give that to you would be ideal. Mark, as as uh, patrons are in states, as the state is added to the pilot, or once the pilot is over, the states are reaching out to their braille readers. So mm-hmm. you should hear from your state when when readers are available in your state. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mark is dealing with um, the I-Bill right now via the BEP project. Um, That's right. Because um, uh, uh, Gene wanted to know about that. Right. Uh, Judy, you're absolutely right. Um, the, um, as we get more devices in, Tamara will be organizing uh, the communication to reach out to the different um, um, libraries in our network uh, to uh, join the pilot. And uh, they will be getting into the hands of patrons. So that is coming up very, very soon. And I do have a telephone number and, uh, and an email. The telephone number is 844-815-9388. That's 844-815-9388. And the email is meaningful.access at BEP.gov. Meaningful.access at BEP.gov. Thank you, Mark. We have about 15 minutes left, and so we need to keep moving with these questions. Well, actually, we have a little longer than that. Um, I think it's 
because um, we have until 345. So yeah. <laughs> um, area code 715. You're right. We have about half an hour. Yeah. Area code 715. You can unmute. Any in 266? Star six. There you go. You've been muted. To unmute yourself, press You're fine. star six. We can hear you. Yep, we can hear you. You are no longer muted. <sighs> Please ask your question. Go ahead. Do you want me to read the question, sir? What is yeah. your question? Hello, this is Ramsey. I was wondering if I could get your contact information because you've done such a wonderful presentation. I would love to connect and would love to help you. Are you talking about my contact information, sir? Yes. <laughs> okay. You can always send me an email at J-Y-A-S. That's J-Y-A-S at L-O-C dot G-O-V, J-Y-A-S at lock dot gov. Okay, let's go on to our next question. J-Y-A-S. J Y as in Juliet, Y as in Yankee, A as in Alpha, S as in Sierra. Correct. Okay, sorry. Okay, we... okay Liz. Hi, um, thanks for this presentation. Uh, quick question. What is the likelihood of a skill for the Amazon devices um, to be developed so that we could read the BARD books through the Alexa devices? Thank Fanta you. Fantastic question. That is one of our modernization initiatives. Uh, we are currently in um, research and development right now. Uh, we have a vendor who was awarded a contract to develop uh, an Amazon, um, uh, I'm sorry, Alexa skill. Uh, for Amazon. And so we're testing it right now. Um, you know, we feel that the future um, next generation talking book machine is going to be based on voice user interface. And so we're looking at a lot of different devices that use that. And so obviously a smart speaker uh, is one of those um, devices. We should be, uh, for the rest of this calendar year, we will be testing um, uh, this Alexa skill and hopefully we'll be piloting it um, sometime in early 2022, where we may be reaching out to pilot um, library network libraries uh, and asking for patrons to, um, to be part of a, a field test for this. So it is, it's right around the corner, and we're very excited about it. Okay, Pam. Yes, good afternoon, folks. Excellent presentation. Um, I'm just really curious with reference to this e-reader I am in Kansas City, Missouri, and it's my understanding that our library is not a current participant in the pilot. However, what I'm curious about is that once we obtain those devices, is there any training on the given devices that we are uh, that, that we're sent, or how does that work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, part of this whole distribution plan was coming up with training, communications, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Tamara and her team have been training the network librarians who are part of the pilot. We've provided um, all sorts of training materials for patrons. 
So uh, you will definitely not be alone and be you know, sent this device without any instruction. We want to make sure that you know how to use it, uh, that you evaluate it well, and hopefully you enjoy it. Can I also add that the device will come with a hard copy Braille manual? Thank Which you, is Judy. very good. Uh, Lu- Lucy, how many questions do we still have? Uh, just one moment. Looks like 11. Okay. Oh, thank okay. You. Thank you. Carol That's McGee. Cool. Hello. Um, I'm Carol McGee from West Virginia. And I have a question that is probably related to both BARD and humanware. I download um, books almost every day, recorded books from BARD. And I might come to one one English books book and then 20 or 25 foreign language books. Is there any way those books can be divided so that if you want, say, to have your default English, um, it would it would download, it would uh, present only those books? Very good question. Um, we are, as part of our Marrakesh uh, initiative, we are improving searchability and discoverability in BARD. We did realize that um, flooding, so to speak, the BARD catalog with a bunch of foreign language books may pose um, a hurdle for patrons who are searching um, for a particular title. So uh, we are rolling out BARD enhancements um, to help in that search capability. So you should be seeing that soon if you're not seeing it already. Um, We have a foreign language librarian who is very, very dedicated to making sure that BARD um, presents the best experience for our patrons when they're searching for, um, well, their reading material, be it in English or another language. So it's, it's, it's definitely, if it's not, those improvements haven't been pushed out to production yet. They're very, very soon. All right, Maria. Hi, thank you. Um, I'm wondering, I'm enjoying testing the humanware e-reader as uh, part of the ACB group. So thanks for that. I'm wondering, um, for those of us who are testing the humanware, are we expected to at some point be testing the Zoomax one as well? Or are you completely splitting the groups that are testing each of those? And also, have you extended um, the uh, amount of time that we're able to use the devices with, with COVID and all? I've had mine for nearly a year and I'm not complaining, but I just want to make sure I haven't missed some communication to return it or something. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Well, the first thing is we don't want you to return it. We want you to use it. So we're not going to be recalling any of these pilot units. They're going to become production units, and we're expecting um, you know, more to be produced and more to be distributed to our patrons. So that's one uh, answer to one part of your question. Um, the second question is we are choosing different libraries for the Zoomax um, pilot, uh, but eventually um, some patrons are going to be able to Um, test out and pilot both devices. Um, Some network librarians are going to be able to pilot both devices. Um, Because of COVID and because of ZoomX having some production issues, um, our our, our plan got off uh, a little bit. So that's why only the humanware device is out there. But eventually, um, people will be able to test uh, different units. Um, So look forward to that. Okay, excuse me, area code 773 ending in 394. Yes, hi, this is Debbie Watson, and I had a question uh, earlier. I'm sorry, but I had a I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we will have to answer all of the questions first. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. She, okay. she, she didn't, 
Yes, we did have her before. So let's go on to our yes, next question. Yes, they did. I was one of the oh, first sorry. callers. Please, sorry. please go on to the next question. If there's time at the end, Debbie, we'll get back to you. Okay, no problem. All right. Area code 501 ending in 974. Okay, this is Teresa. I have two questions. Now, if you only want to take one right now, that's fine. But um, my first question, someone asked about the Reader's Digest. And I also remember when I received Newsweek from the printing house on cassette tape. And, of course, when they stopped doing that, I looked and I looked and I never saw it on um, BARD. And I never even saw it on NFB Newsline. I think they're out of print now. They're out of print. Okay. My second question it deals with uh, the number of devices one can um, um, have linked to their uh, respective BART accounts, because um, sometimes people will have books on their smartphone. Sometimes they'll use their tablet or their iPad, then they might have a Victor Stream and a Victor Trek. Um, you know, so I'm just wondering, is there a, or in a Braille display, so is there a limit that's a good question. There um, is. There yeah, is a I limit. I bet you there is. Well, Judy, you, you know better than I. There is a, the, the default limit is five, but that can easily be changed by your library. So if you have more than five devices, just call your library and they can increase that limit for you. Hey, Carla Hayes. Hey, Carla. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Okay, um, I assume I'm not in one of the states. I know I'm not for testing the e-readers. I have two quick questions. But um, for those of us that have a Braille-ready device, um, will you be prioritizing people that don't have such a device for the e-readers, and which which would make sense so that you can get more books in their hands? But if you do such a thing, is there training for those of us that have a device? Because I'm okay with the barred talking books, but I'm having miserable experiences with the Braille books, you know, that I download because just because I need some some help and some training. And my second quick question is, are they um, making available the hard copy books? Are they doing OBE, you know, optical Braille, um, you know, to, to um, scan in the, um, the, bra- the hard copy Braille books so that everything will be on BARD as they're doing with the talking books? Jason, hmm. I can handle this one, too. Oh, please, Judy. Thank you. We are scandal- scanning a small number of older Braille books when, for whatever reason, that book is not able to be reissued or something like that. But it's a relatively small number. There's no plans to scan every old Braille book that we have. Uh, over time, a lot of them are being reissued and, and just so that they have an existence in electronic form. As far as your question about accessing Braille, are you using Bard Mobile? Do you read your Braille books? I'm sorry, I muted her. Did you mute her? Oh. Yes, I I did. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, If you want to call me, I can help you sort out how to get some help reading your Braille books that you download. Um, Send me an email. My email is jdix at loc.gov. This is Judy Dixon, and you'll notice a trend with our email addresses. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Suzanne. 
Hi, this is Suzanne from Virginia, and um, I have a couple of comments. Um, the first one that I originally came with was that I'm wondering if you're going to make sure to put whole series onto BART, and I love BART. It's, it's made me be able to read books in order as opposed to just randomly reading. Um, so I'm hoping that you'll continue that, especially Deborah Crombie. There's one missing, and it's driving me crazy. Uh, so, um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing I wondered, you mentioned sort of the voice-driven things. I like the recorded the, the, the players, and I like them because they're portable, they're buttons, they have good volume, as opposed to my Victor stream, that's, I have to find some speaker or something to make it hearable if I want to carry it and do the laundry, right? So um, please keep those. And the other thing is I wondered in the categories on BARD, if you could do something like children's lit, same reason for avoiding foreign language, I don't want children's lit. So is there a way to put that at the top when you're reading the title, then see the category immediately so that you can skip it? Okay, very good. We're taking these suggestions, Mark's writing them down, and we will pass these on to the BARD team and our collections division. So thank you for your feedback. All right, area code 518 and the in 517. This is Mary Beth from Albany, New York. And um, I was wondering whether or not you, I have two questions, actually, I know a question is statement. I was wondering whether or not you guys were going to be reviewing the process of um, obtaining keys, you know, such as when you buy a new uh, Victor stream or Victor track um, for people that were already in the system in, in the case of Hewen were in both agencies as, as eligible. And also I just wanted to say how much I appreciated when, Bibliographies and footnotes are included. Thank you. Yeah, the question. Mary Beth, what's the problem? I'm sorry. <laughs> she said you thank you. So I. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Mary Beth, you know how to find me. <laughs> we know her. <laughs> All right, Ladies Christine. Judy's not going anywhere, obviously. <laughs> not <laughs> she yet. But she's not going anywhere. <laughs> Christine? Oh, hello. Um, I was curious. Um, I also deal with my local public library, and I was curious to um, know whether BARD, I mean, whether NLS is thinking that they might want to pattern their services more in a um, in a in a feedback loop where people really do have a lot more contact with the actual provider of the services. Now, I know I have plenty of contact with my library for the blind, but if I'm dealing with a book that, say, I asked for from the multi-state center, I, I can't track it. It's not like, or, or even if I am not dealing with my local library, um, if it were an interlibrary loan from somewhere, uh, it doesn't seem like I can track it as an individual. And I was also wondering um, if, Free Matter would ever have uh, barcodes that we could track our our books when they say they've sent them and they never come. And that's the end of that question. Okay, well, um, I'm sorry, I forgot your <laughs> first part of your question. You made the post office Free Matter comment and... Well, but then all they say to us is, you know, it, it will free matter ever, ever have barcodes. Okay, the first part of your question again, quickly. The first part of my question is, will BARD pattern it more, its services, I'm not BARD, NLS pattern its services mm -hmm. more like um, a local public library does when you do interlibrary loans, et cetera, and things like that, where you actually can... Um, keep in touch with something that you've requested that's 
far and away um, that you you can't just talk to your local library about. I mean, I do I wouldn't do duplication on demand because I order most of my stuff and download it. But when it's stuff that I can't get from my local library, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. Okay, I understand. So this is an opportunity for the patron engagement section uh, that Mark was talking about earlier. But I want to make it clear, you know, the network libraries play an absolute critical role in this NLS program. We certainly don't want to step on their toes. Um, you know, we, we hope that you have a good relationship with your network library and you're able to bring up these questions. Um, you know, we will be investigating what the patron engagement section um, does what its purview is. And, um, you know, uh, like I said, we, we should we should think about the role and responsibility between the patron engagement section at NLS and the network library. We really want the network library to be your, you know, first stop for uh, for NLS service. We don't want to jeopardize that that relationship. Now, getting to the U.S. post office thing. Well, as you probably know, you know, all, all of us deal with U.S. postal office um, issues. Um, I, in my experience, um, I, I hope the U.S. Postal Service does a better job with free matter for the blind. Um, it tends to, it tends to be, uh, depending on the postmaster at that particular post office, how well that person supports free matter for the blind. Um, I, I don't have an answer for you about the barcodes, but we can reach out to our post office liaison, uh, and, uh, and bring that that suggestion of. Thank you. Okay. It's area code 414 ending in 878. Thank you. This is Alice Massa from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I want to compliment and second the mention, the suggestion that someone gave very early on about the covers being described. And to affirm that, I want you to know that a number of authors who just happen to be blind, self-published authors who happen to be blind, have been having their covers described on the author's website. And I think that is very important. It's very interesting to hear the description of the covers. My only concern, because I've brought up previously in other forums, my wish that the acknowledgement section, the preliminary sections and so forth, would be included in the books that are brought in from the commercial audiobooks. And I know I've been told before it's a matter of time. I'm one of those individuals who would rather wait a little longer for a book so that those preliminary and post sections could be added to the commercial books. But I hope that's not the reason that the cover would not be described. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, fantastic suggestion. We will, we will pass that on. Okay, we've got 10 minutes. Francine? Wait a minute. How many questions do we have, Lucy? Four left. Thank now, you. Wait, hang on one just a second. Jason, the other part of her question was to include a lot of materials that are not included in the audio recording, such as mm-hmm. the reference materials at the end of a book, uh, any other preliminary acknowledgments, stuff like that. She's saying, "Is this question has come up before is why I'm uh, emphasizing it. Right, right. Obviously, this is valuable to patrons. And so I will I will check on that. Um, 
I would imagine it, it is a matter of, um, of time in our production process, why we've made that decision. Uh, but I will investigate and follow up. Okay. All right, Francine. Um, <clears throat> my name is Fran, and I wanted, I wanted to know, how do you go about getting books that are missing from a series? I've got several series right now. Okay, let's, Fran, let's just go ahead and get the question answered. <laughs> I want to know how to get books. How do, how do you let people, the library know that book one is missing when you've got 12 other books on the, okay. in the series, but you can't read it without book one? Let, let's let him answer the question. Okay, well, obviously, communicate that to your network library, uh, and they will pass that on to our collections development section. Uh, we obviously don't want um, a 12-volume series to be missing book one. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm, I'm not suggesting that maybe the book is, is, is there and maybe it's difficult to find, um, but I would suggest going to your network library to suggest that or send uh, an email, uh, as Mark said before, reaching out to uh, NLS, um, NLS ref, uh, ref at lock.gov well, with any suggestion. I'm going to reiterate that this is not the first time this question uh, has mm-hmm. come up. So people do want to be, have a way to add missing items to a series or know when missing items have very, very often though especially when it's the first book they actually get called something different after a while so ask your library your library has sure has heard this question before and can help you find it right all right lucy <clears throat> lino yeah hi i'll make it quick we're running out of time here um first of all i would like to plug the use of a either a, a smart speaker that you guys develop or what other sources you got available i think it's all around good for everybody especially those who don't have the use of their hands uh but my, of course my main tiny concern is those who don't have good speech but those who do you know having a smart speaker type options is, is great uh quickly what is going on with uh production of magazines i noticed uh my, one of my favorites actually my favorite news one is the week and that's keeps been pushed back by a number of weeks the last two or three months i've, I've noticed so what, what is there a, a, something in a production line going on i'll, I'll take I'll, I'll mute and let you answer the question thank you um i don't know the specifics but i will check and get back to you um i know that the we have had some problems with uh, some of our magazine producers um you know covid hit a lot of our vendors very very hard uh in some ways we're still catching up uh, some of our vendors are still catching up, and it seems to be that magazines took the hit more than regular commercial uh, book publishing. So um, I will check on that for you. But I do notice the week is more regular because it's one of my favorites, too. Mm. It's getting faster. Okay, good. All right, Sirku. Uh, hi, I'm Sirku. I'm calling from Finland. Um, I was wondering if it's possible to <clears throat> get uh, as an ex- international exchange uh, books from from the national um, library, and what's the what uh, needs to be done that it would be possible? Because I I could suggest it to my library what they need to do. If it's not possible yet, because I would love to read books in English. <clears throat> okay, so um, from the way I understand the Marrakesh Treaty, um, your library would have to be an authorized entity. So they would have to sign on 
and um, they would have to work with um, uh, the WIPO consortium uh, to add your library's collection and therefore be able to share in the collections um, from the other libraries um, that are participating around the world. So I would go to your, your library and, um, and find out um, where they are, whether they're interested in participating in Marrakesh. So yeah. I hope they will be interested because and Kitos. Be so... <laughs> Kitos. Kitos. Kitos for your question. Kitos paljon. <laughs> okay. Um, area code 614. Ending in, yep, gotcha. There you okay. go. Okay. I tried ahead of you. I'm sorry. Um, I'm running into some. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Who are you? Could you identify? I'm sorry. Yourself, I'm please? Shirley. I was just trying to be quick. I'm in Ohio. Um, I'm running into some conflicting answers about the um, the e-reader testing program. I was initially told that Ohio was supposed to be part of that. Now, every time I call and and check on it, they tell me the you know the testing of the e-reader project got delayed. But yet, someone from your you know system said on one of our calls here the other day that it was still actively going on and I don't understand what's happened with those of us from Ohio that were supposed to be involved. I know they got a hold of a bad machine or something and you know we got delayed but surely let's let him answer me... the question. Okay. Um from what I remember I believe Ohio was one of the libraries that was part of the Zoomax pilot. Judy maybe you can you that, can correct that's correct. Wrong. Yes. And um we had discovered an issue with the Zoomax units uh which meant a um brief recall and a brief um re uh reengineering. Uh we wanted to make sure that the units were functioning properly. And so um we are currently getting a new batch of uh Zoomax e-readers in and uh they will be eventually arriving to Ohio. So um we're waiting that as i said you know a lot of things um in our e-reader pilot were delayed by covid uh and by production problems etc cetera, etc cetera. but ohio will certainly be getting their um their e-reader units soon okay we have one more hand judy i don't know um, that's just about we've got got, got got time go for it all right colleen colleen you can unmute Well, okay. I don't know. <laughs> we lost her. Uh, no, I uh, asked her to unmute. Um, okay, can you hear there me? There you are. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. I'm here. Um, I just have a question to you. I think most of what was answered on um, the e-readers. Um, like you said, are they going to be coming to more states eventually? Um, you know, as you get more. Um, I know. Are they only like in certain states for the test right now? No, absolutely. The plan I is. I guess you can tell that there's a lot of interest in this e-reader, Jason. Yeah, it seems to be a <laughs> recurring theme, Judy. Um, yes. No, the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely pleased that we're getting this much interest in questions about the e-reader. As I said, this is something that NLS has been working on for a long, long time. We're very, very proud of it. We're getting fabulous feedback. Um, we want to make sure that every Braille e reader. Um, patron, Braille reading patron has the opportunity to get one of our Braille e-readers if they want it. 
And so um, as we have more devices, as we purchase more devices, uh, they will be distributed. Um, so it's just simply a matter of time at this point. Let me go ahead and thank our two gentlemen for being with us, Jason uh, and uh, Mark. Terrific to have you on board, Mark. It's the first time we've heard both of you, and we're delighted to have had you with us. We'll be inviting you to be with the Lua Group in the future on a more yet informal uh, Lua Link situation. Judy, congratulations on your award this morning. Nothing more deserved. And we want you on a Lua Link in the near future as well. Thank you so much, all of you, for being on the panel side. Thank you, everyone, and have a great rest of convention. And join us again on Wednesday when we'll be with our narrator. And then later that afternoon, Judy will be back to doc- talk about her most recent book about how to get all things described. The closing CEU code is 93244. Again, the closing code is 93244. Thank you and see you at the next Lua event.